This ends here and now! Hey there, Jane Fonda. This is Inyash Brodsky. Hey, Inyash. This is Steven. Steven, I know exactly why you're Jane Fonda. Do you want to let the audience in on the joke or do you think they've seen the movie? Everyone who's listening should see the movie. This conversation Absolutely. will not benefit anyone who hasn't. I think it was in one of the pitch meetings or something for Endgame or Infinity uh-huh. War about like how half the jokes are people mispronouncing other people's names. And that's just like the easy, like, let's poke a joke. But the reason that they do that is because it's funny every time. <laughs> right. You know? And so I loved Korg mispronouncing Jane's name. He's like Jane Fonda, and then later Jody Foster. Um, yeah. And but then emotionally at the end, he doesn't mess it up the third time. Yeah. And so like that's that's why I liked it. I hate to do this, but before we get into the story proper, I think we have to talk about two related topics that are vital to discuss before we get into this. Perfect, because I had at least two things as well. So. Oh, sweet. Okay. So what is one of your things then? In the beginning, opening monologue, which I actually liked all of Quark's monologues. Um, mm-hmm. Or what do you call them? Uh, narrations? Yeah. I'm a big fan of, and point, point to me any uh, contradictory examples, but I feel like any movie that starts with crawl text that isn't Star Wars, because that's like famous, you know, that's its whole thing. But like if it starts with expository text at the beginning, I feel like those movies suck. Or at I, the very least, like they don't need it. Yeah. So I want to mostly agree with you because oftentimes that is a sign of lazy storytelling. 100%. The, uh, yeah. I- I'm just going to dump exposition on you instead of fancying it up in a way or something. The only Marvel movie but- that did it was Eternals. And surprise, that movie sucked. <laughs> and the, nice. the one movie that did that was pretty good, but would have been better without it was Us, with the Jordan Peele movie. Mm. If they just not had that shit, it actually would have been a much better movie. I Interesting perspective. That's no, I think you're right. So why did I bring that up? Oh, Korg's monologues or uh, yeah, narrations. There's at least two parts in the movie. Okay, so this is a problem with the Marvel movies, right? That so much of them depends on things that have come previously in the series. But at this point, the series has been going on for how many years? 15 years? Oh my God, we're old. You're right. Iron Man came out in 2008. Okay, so uh, you can't expect people to have seen everything that Marvel has produced in the last 15 years. Now it includes TV series and stuff as well. On the other hand, it is continuing a storyline that has started from there. So what do you do about this? The way that Taika Waititi handled it was really great. Just recently, I saw the pitch meeting. Have you been keeping up with pitch meetings? Yeah. Okay, and now that he doesn't do them every week, sometimes he'll do a retrospective on an older one that he did, right? The only one of those I've seen was for Avatar. 
Yes. He talks at the end how like how in his original pitch meeting he kind of ripped on Jake Sully just saying exposition directly into the camera. But now that he's, you know, a little older and seen more of this stuff and thinking about it, he's like, yeah, sometimes you just got to get that exposition out of the way. Just eat your vegetables so you can get to the good <laughs> stuff. And that was a good way of doing it to, to just lay that out and be done with it and get on with the cool things we want to see. This was the same kind of thing where uh, Charlie had not seen any of the previous Thor movies uh, or the Infinity War movies. Oh, and God. so, yeah, right. And But everything in there laid it out to her exactly what had come before and she understood it was especially great like there's this one part where there's uh matt damon and another actor who i can't quite place that's because uh, it's luke hemsworth oh seriously yeah oh my god no uh yep he auditioned His for brother. the role and uh he got fake thor instead <laughs> <laughs> that's great so Matt Damon uh, and Luke Hemsworth uh, are doing terrible community stage production of Thor 3, right? Like, you might ask yourself, why is this in the movie? And the answer is because it's funny and for people who haven't seen Thor 3, recaps what happened in it so that you understand, you know, why is that hammer is a big deal and why it's broken into pieces like that. Thank and you. So, yeah, I think Taika Waititi just did a fucking amazing job of getting that stuff out there, got through it quickly, highlighted only the important parts that you need to know for this story, and did it in an entertaining way. I I agree. There's extra funny in that scene, too. You know, like Hela's legacy is uh, Melissa McCarthy, you know, yeah. being ridiculous. The Closer Look is a YouTube series channel that I like, and he does like writing advice. And some, some of it is picking apart stories. Some of it is like, here is why... Knives Out was like a perfect movie. Um, mm-hmm. And he spent like 10 minutes ripping on that scene, maybe five. Oh, what? And oh, he was just like, lame. oh, they just thought it was funny from the previous movie. And I'm like, no, it's it not important. just that. It was because you're right. Like, if you don't know, th- there is some amount of like, you can't just pick up issue seven or book seven, whatever, and like get it. But, you know, like every Harry Potter book would like give a vague reintroduction of everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are you starting on book six? Just get it together. But right. Uh, so but it's I, different I, when it's been 15 years and like 40 movies and six television series. Totally. But at the very least, you read the other Thor, you you know, you watch the other Thor stuff, but I can let it slide because apparently it worked, which is great. I feel like some of the the depth might be lost, but that's totally fine. I'm not I'm not here ripping people who didn't see all of it. What I'm saying is that if people if people didn't see all of it, which there are those people, they want to know what the hell's up with this, you know, magic hammer. Why is it a big deal? Um, yeah. What happened to it? Why she and turned he, it? Why she turned to gold dust at the end? Like, yeah, you know, it, it, it sets up kind of everything you need to know that isn't already in the movie. Exactly. Yeah. And it even paid some dividends later on when, uh, after the children are kidnapped, Matt Damon and Luke are like, what can we do to help? <laughs> we, we can make a play about this, right? Yes. We'll make a community theater production. <laughs> <laughs> that so was, they got another joke out of it. Exactly. During Korg's first narration, he's giving the, the quick background of, of what happened to Thor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how, you know, he hid his heart behind a huge, uh, you know, wall of flesh. And then he mm-hmm. put in the, put in the hours and he went from, you know, dad bod to God bod. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think, and I, I can't remember, I've heard this at least two different times over the years, but in Endgame when he gets Mjolnir back, uh, or when he soups up for, or suits up to fight Thanos, apparently the original plan was for him to just go straight to God bod. And what do you mean? Go straight to God, Bob? like lightning strike, and now he's fit again. Oh no! Exactly. So apparently, Chris Hemsworth pushed back, and he's like, "That defeats the purpose. Like yeah. he's still broken. Yeah, and we still want to show it. And so I just like that they uh, that that they went with his his lead. You know, I guess, like I said, allegedly, 
I wasn't there for the conversation, but um, anyway, really cool idea. That's cool. Um, yeah. All right. I want to um, chew you out a little bit. Is this it's is this the second thing? Jokey. No, because uh, you said that you had two things to talk about before we got into the movie, but you actually talked about the movie, whereas my things are completely outside of the movie. Well, the the first thing was the uh, the God Bod thing. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so that's also, oh, that's oh so that was the, the first thing. Yep. Ah, okay, cool. We just got sidetracked on Korg's uh, narrations. We did. Uh, well, did you want to do the second thing, or should I do my first thing? I still want to get chewed out. Well, that, that was it. I was about to say you oh. said you were going to talk about stuff not in the movie, but it was actually talking about Korg stuff in the movie. But no, I, that was that was my fault. I guess we got sidetracked together. I alleyooped you. All right. <laughs> All right. So yeah, what's yours? Okay. So my first thing is that the the topic of expectations, I think, is a really big deal because uh, I was I was thinking about like why did everybody else not like Thor Love and Thunder when I loved Thor Love and Thunder? Spoilers, I loved Thor Love and Thunder. Thank you. I meant, we're going to be talking to, about that a lot. I meant to uh, open the show with that and I forgot. I got a message from you after you saw it and you said, I loved it, exclamation mark. And I'm like, yeah. Ineos loved a Marvel movie. Right. Guys, this this is like one out of what, three maybe that you'd say that about? Uh, yes, probably three, maybe four. Right on. Yeah. Well, I'm glad this so made the I, cut. I did absolutely love it, and I was trying to figure out why, and while I was doing that, I was watching Andor. And Andor, I have now heard from at least twice on the Reason Roundtable podcast, high recommendations, big recommendations from Matt Freeman of the Freeman Brothers, like, everybody loves Andor, right? And so I went in, I was like, this is going to be the best thing, like, ever, I'm so looking forward to this. And, you know, episodes one and two were slow, but I heard it's slow and it ramps up and it gets good. And then it was really good. Like episodes three through six were fantastic. And then after that, it was like, it was all right again. But like when I was done with the season, I was like, sure, this was this was good TV. But why did everyone say it was so amazing? And then when I thought about it, I was like, you know, everybody else had just watched The Mandalorian and Mando Season 2 and Obi-Wan and all this terrible bullshit <laughs> and the fucking latest three Star Wars movies. They're expecting more complete crap that they're just forcing themselves to watch because I guess it's Star Wars. I don't know why you would force yourself to watch something you know is going to be bad. But the thing is, they were expecting crap and they got something that was actually really good. Like, it, this is well put together. And yeah, the second half, it flails around a bit. It's not as good as the first half, but it's still pretty darn good TV and compared to your expectations, it fucking blows you away for a star Wars product. This is fucking amazing. And so then I was thinking probably I kept hearing how bad Thor four was. And I bet a bunch of people expect like some awesome, great movie. And I was just expecting, well, this is going to be another typical uh, Marvel crap things that I'm not really going to be into. And then when I watched it, like, First of all, I was expecting something bad, so I was absolutely blown away with what I got. But also, I don't like Marvel movies for the most part. I think, I mean, they're okay. Some of them break the mold and are good, but they're basically formulaic entertainment product, right? <laughs> Here is your foil-wrapped movie to be entertained with. Go be entertained for two hours and uh, have a good time. And sure, like it delivers on that, but I don't really like that stuff. And with this Thor, it wasn't quite that. It was... Taiko Watiti doing this weird, quirky thing, which I'm going to get into. And the fact, I think, that both I was expecting crap and that I I didn't come in wanting a Marvel movie. So the people who did come in wanting a Marvel movie were probably disappointed. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to stop talking now, ask you what you have to think about all that. My expectation going in 
was pretty up in the like I had no idea what it would be about. This was the first, if I recall, like real Marvel movie after Endgame. Mm-hmm. Like Is they, there they something had, buzzing on your end? Uh oh, yes, I'm getting a phone call, which I will ignore. That you know what? That might be part of it. I think uh maybe people wanted more of the standard recipe. There's a couple things that I don't get why they did it that way. Like I don't know why they kept calling Valkyrie a king. Well, because they also call her a her. A her. Yeah. Um, and her monarchs are queens. And Asgard yeah, is even familiar. Well, but the thing is that when Hela goes to Asgard, she introduces herself as their queen. Uh, you know what? Valkyrie is super gay and super gay queens are actually kings. That's totally fine. I think just people like didn't get that. <laughs> I don't yeah, think I figured it was a joke. I don't know. I think it was just like people probably thought like, oh, they're just doing like a non-gender kajigger. But why are, they, why are they not calling her a they or something? I don't know. I assume people drew contention with that. I didn't really dig into critics about it. Um, okay. I almost never go into reviews about stuff just because I like just having my own thoughts on it. And I don't know if anyone had a problem with this, but and this is, I think, goes back to the comics. They called Jane a Thor, mm-hmm. which sounds like a Thor is a thing that you are, not your name. Right. Which is confusing. What she is, is worthy Jane Foster. She's, she's not, uh... a, she's, she's not a Thor. You know, yeah, I think that that is a comic book thing. Yeah, I know. I just I the thing is like that that bugged me, not because like it was it made her seem derivative of Thor, which I get she was in the comics, but she's her yeah. own self-actualized awesome person. And so I mean, it's like, oh, look, she she's is... a Thor. Um, and it's like, well, anyone can be a Thor, but you're Jane fucking Foster, right? Sure. I don't know. In terms of both the comics and this movie, like anyone could be a thor it was originally thor's name but turned into a title much like caesar was originally caesar's name but turned into a title so well. i i think <laughs> so yeah i think that she probably was a thor and you can say that it is diminishing of her to be like oh i'm derivative of someone else rather than my own person and i guess that's fair but eh, on the other hand she seemed fine with being a thor so whatever and let, she gets her own street do cred and stuff yeah and yeah. Valkyrie was once a title and now is her name. So Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, the pitch meeting talked about like, hey, you know how Thor's dumb? We're going to make him super dumb. Um, <laughs> the thing is, I don't think that that's what he was doing. I agree. And I, I'm disappointed. The same guy actually on uh, the closer look said that like the conversation that he has with Star-Lord at the beginning. Well, actually, it turns around to be a really, you know, emotionally salient moment but you, you should want to feel shitty I, the guy was like no one talks about their feelings like that because thor is like oh no i've tried that i'm i've sealed off my heart from that such things and he's like that's not how people talk and I'm like, that, that's exactly how thor talks and more I importantly mean, that's exactly how self-aware thor would deflect that conversation yes that i literally have said things very similar to that right when I, you didn't want to talk about it right yes yeah like fuck you saying people don't talk like that i'm a person well i think that like it was another work of fiction or something that could be really lazy writing right right well people I mean, will just say how they feel that makes me feel <laughs> angry uh, no you're right in a shitty work of fiction it would be shitty writing right but that's the thing taika watiti and this is this is like a style that was originally popularized by uh, whedon back in the late 90s but it is a thing where you kind of do the deflection by being too meta right you hang the lampshade so that people will not criticize the thing, but it's still a deflection method. Right. They want to point out like, no, nah, man, you're hiding behind your feelings. And if you're like, oh, I'm, I'm hiding behind my feelings. I, you know, it's like, well, he's already just full on embraced the argument I was going to make. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a way to shut it down. Right. 
Great. I, right. I did not. <laughs> I didn't think Thor was dumb at all. He was uh, struggling. This, I, this, thank this, you. I, I, yeah. I thought it was just me. And I was going to sound like a simp for this movie. The thing is, my first watch, I. So we'll get to like why I didn't walk away my first watch like that was amazing. It's because I didn't mm-hmm. quite get what it was putting down. And maybe I, I still don't, but maybe we'll get to there before the end of this, this episode. Oh, I know exactly what it was putting down. At oh. least I think I know. All right. Well, I'm super into it. But Thor isn't doing extra dumb or just like leaning into the being extra comical. Thor is struggling the whole time with yeah. the knowledge that he's worthy, but he doesn't believe it. Yes. Yes. See, I thought of that line me- myself, and that sounds like a professional writer's line. So I just wanted to make sure <laughs> I patted myself. Can you guys hear myself patting myself on the back for that? You are getting plus two writer points from me, sir. All right. This thing brings me back to the expectations thing because it has been my modus operandi right up until very a few days ago, let's say, uh, <laughs> that I, I try to kind of temper expectations of me, right? I was one of those people that grew up as a gifted kid. You know, the whole world depends on your gifts to uh, bring us to a brighter future. And then that kind of went nowhere. And I found that this expectation thing is really a big deal. And when you start out with low expectations and you blow past them, people think you're awesome. I've done accounting for 20 years, right? I go into a job where someone else got fired or laid off or something. They were unhappy with the previous person in the position. I come in and... You set the bar low, so it's easy to jump over. Thank you. The bar has already been preset low by the guy before me. And I'm like, look at me knocking the shit out of the park. I don't have an accounting degree. And nobody cares because the guy before me did have an accounting degree and he fucked things up. So uh, I I have a darn good time. Under promise and over deliver is a life hack when you can get away with it. Absolutely. And I've been always doing that. And um, I begin to think recently, maybe I should stop doing that because... It leads me to doing things like underplaying the things that I do that actually could benefit from publicity. Things like my podcasts or books or stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's an okay book if you're into Lovecraftian horror in second century Rome. And people are like, oh, well, okay, I guess if that's all you have to say about your own book. And I'm <laughs> like, but but I want them to read it anyway and be blown away because it's much better than the way I was selling it. But with the way I was selling it, they're not even going to pick it up. So I'm... If the author doesn't sound doing stoked it about it, then what, you know, why would I be, why would I bother reading it? Yeah. yeah. And I really hate doing that, especially because I hate the self aggrandizing in general when other people do it. I'm like, oh God, shut up about your stupid thing that you did. But, uh, I, I guess I got to do it just a little more. There's, and, there's a know, sweet I've, spot I've to even, hit there, which I listened to yeah. a long conversation with, with, uh, an expert on basically like boasting and bragger, bragging stuff. She was on the Clear Thinking podcast. I listen. I heard that the same episode. It was really good. Nice. Yeah. So now you, you're going to be able to get the, you know, find that, find that balance. I hope so. Like I, I even do it in relationships where I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm okay. I'll probably let you down at some point. <laughs> Come <And> on, man. <laughs> uh, you know, and people date me anyways, I guess, because either they're crazy or I, I managed to sneak in some kind of charm or something. You're quasi but, good uh, looking, you know, <laughs> right? Um, something think, there works out. I think uh, one thing you could do if you're, you know, don't want to be like, yeah, I wrote an awesome book is, you know, Hey, you know, I worked, I worked really hard on this and I've been doing writers workshops for over a decade. This, this this is this is currently the culmination of, of over a decade's worth of effort or something, right? Talk about yeah. the effort rather than the accomplishment. Yeah. Might, might be one, one step, but yeah. but yeah. So I was just going to that whole. It, it seems like this is almost a Marvel movie made for not Marvel movie fans. Maybe maybe that's right. Ragnarok, I think, also usurped expectations mm. in a lot of ways. Like you know, it killed people, which nobody ever dies. It 
wasn't like a you know a solid victory where everybody won at the end either or like even mm-hmm. the survivors won um, yeah sure they beat the bad guy but they lost a lot yeah you know thor looks out at the wreckage of his planet and says what have i done it's a different approach i think i think it's fun because there's actually stakes yeah all right well my, my second thing was going to be the thing about thor's disposition so i've already gotten my preambles in that case my second preamble is this uh, I've been getting this feeling already for a while, but this movie really drew it even into into even sharper focus that I have reached a certain age, uh, capitalized. And it reminded me of an older Simpsons episode somewhere in the first decade of The Simpsons where Lisa is trying to do something, get something done, uh, and she can't because she's a nine-year-old girl. And she's complaining, I'm a nine-year-old girl. No one listens to me. And Grandpa Simpson is there, and he had some kind of subplot where he was being ignored in the episode as well. And he goes, I'm an old man. No one listens to me. <laughs> and uh, Homer was walking by right at the moment. He's like, I'm a middle-aged man. Everyone listens to me. Woohoo! <laughs> it's awful being a kid. No one listens to you. It's rotten being old. No one listens to you. I'm a white male, age 18 to 49. Everyone listens to me. I seem to have stumbled into that part where I'm a middle-aged man and all my peers who were growing up with me are now at the height of their productivity, right? Now is the time when they're writing their novels, they're making their big movies, they're doing the things, and suddenly it feels like everything is being made for me and the people who are making things and getting big right now are going through the same issues that (laughs) I'm going through right now, which is um, getting a handle on the fact that I am a middle-aged person and I am mortal. Like, I I know it sounds so stupid. It sounded so fucking retarded to me when I was in my teenager, when I I was a teenager and older people would be like, yeah, these kids, they think they're immortal. I'm like, fuck you. I know I'm going to die. I don't want to die. I know things can kill me. But like, there's a difference the first time you suffer like a permanent injury that just literally reduces your ability to do things in life forever. And then you're like, oh, Oh, I have a limited amount of time. Oh, look, I'm getting less attractive every year. There's only so many more relationships I'll be able to be in. There's only so many more fun weekends I will have with friends. When that really drives home, like it changes something in you. And then you see people writing about these same themes and the movies start playing music from your era. Like this happened <laughs> with Peacemaker too, where Peacemaker, I think um, James Gunn is, I think he seems to be slightly older. He was doing the older wow, he looks 80s hair bands. Is he maybe 10 years? He was doing the 80s hair bands more than the 90s rock. Maybe he's and had so, more years of, you know, healthy living than you did, but. Uh, <laughs> that could be. Yeah, he, I, he, he was doing older music. I recognized it as something that cool kids listened to when I was a kid, but it was not what I listened to as a kid, but it was still like close enough, right? And then fucking Taika Waititi comes out with this stuff. She talks about life issues that I'm going to get into when we talk about the movie and is playing goddamn Guns N' Roses at every fucking opportunity. And I'm like, holy shit. This is uh, apparently stuff is just made for me right now. And it's weird. And I kind of love it. Uh, and I think this is also part of what helped me enjoy the movie. And I think people who are not struggling with the same kind of issues right now probably didn't love it as much. Well, awesome. I'm I'm glad to hear you're feeling that way, like in general. I mean, I think certainly an injury is one way to kind of have mortality slap you in the face. Observing mortality happen yeah. in somebody else is another way. But you can you can actually just skip both of those and just look at all the things that like already will never happen again. Like, yeah, uh, you know, at some point, 
when you were, you know, little, your mom picked you up, you know, because you were small enough to pick up. It's true. There was a last time that she did that and she didn't know it yeah. the last time. And now she can't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's just like life's full of those things. That's why I'm trying to, you know, again, it, like I said, it sounds cliched and dumb, but it's like, I'm trying to live more and be more appreciative and express that appreciation rather right. than like put off doing that. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think that's, that's a valuable outlook. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we've been at this for about a half an hour. You want to talk about love and thunder? <laughs> Let's do it. All right, man. Let's start at the beginning where Thor is meditating and <laughs> not fighting. <laughs> I like, like the, the opening, you know, uh, narration where he's just sitting there while everyone's fighting around him and it's playing like Enya or something. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly just like, you know, he's, he look he's lost. That's it, exactly it. That's what a lot it. of this movie was about. Yeah. yeah. I loved when he's talking to Jane and he's like, did you try meditating? She's like, Oh God, no, sounds so boring. Sounds so boring. It's like, yeah, it actually made me more angry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was wonderful. So many fast jokes in this. It was great. Yeah. And I didn't like, I didn't get when I was, first watching it that he was absolutely adrift and didn't know what was going on with his life what to do and this was one way of him trying to find himself find uh some purpose and some meaning and it wasn't doing shit for him but it was it was really good like by the time you're halfway two-thirds way through the movie and you realize that's what it's about then you can look back on that first meditation part and i think that's about the time they make that joke and you're like oh yeah that's what was happening there he was fucking lost yeah he's just you know, like kicking ass and whatever, helping people has been his whole thing. And he's like, yeah, I do that all the time. I no longer find it satisfying. Mm-hmm. And sure, I can kick ass and stop, you know, stop wars or whatever. But like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Like when they really need me, I'll come because it would be shitty not to. But yeah, he, he just doesn't know. Yeah. No, I, I, I love awesome. that Thor was like their cheat code. They're like, right. Look, we, we, we can't win this. We got to call in Thor. I loved it. Yeah, I think uh, it was so good. The the Asgardians of the galaxy. Um, mm. So I, I loved that. Like they started playing when he ripped off his robe and jumped in there. They started playing "Welcome to the Jungle." Like just that initial holler at the beginning and everything. It was perfect way to jump into a a crazy fun action scene. I love those little furry guys. I think one of the things I dislike about Marvel movies is that the action scenes generally don't have much in the way of stakes, but. This movie really leaned into that. Like f- from the very beginning, you see, yeah, Thor is invulnerable. He can't lose. He's just here having a great time when he's fighting. And so we're just going to have a great time too. show you some awesome visuals, play some great music, just really go over the top. And we're not going to pretend like there's many stakes involved, except for, you know, when there actually is in that one or two parts. Right. The, and that, that's the thing that I like about it is like the stakes aren't, you know, is Thor going to survive the fight? Uh, yeah. It's really like I, I i don't know if that it might be stretching to say that there's any stakes at all in this fight in particular but it's like all of his fights in general is like is he going is he is he getting closer to finding himself right yeah uh i, I think in this fight the stake was is he gonna shatter that glass building <laughs> <laughs> i like when he takes and off his like, robe yeah. and it just like cuff like it like just lands straight on the guy like the <laughs> yeah. whatever the priest or whoever he's talking to uh, yeah and then you're right the fight is totally over the top like mm-hmm. he's, he's hamming it up you know, he's, he's, uh, really just, it's not even clear if he's actually having fun or if he's just trying to. Yeah, but exactly. You know, he's, he, he could shut it down immediately, but he's like, nah, let's, let's do stupid stuff. Let's kick him. Let's, let's jump and do the splits. 
you know mm-hmm. uh i think he's he's just killing time trying to have fun and uh it's it it's working you know uh, yeah. i mean it works for me you know works for me as a the audience um, yeah but it then, seemed like he probably did have like some fun in the moment but you know it's the thing when you're trying too hard to have fun because you remember this used to be fun and then God. it's not quite and and the thing is and that's that's the hard thing about like you know trying to live in the moment or whatever and is like if you're trying to live in the moment and you're having the thought i'm trying to live in the moment um yeah it it especially if you you connect with the emotional baggage of that you're mm-hmm. like well I, i'm still kind of doing that but now i feel like i'm going through the motions and i'm aware that they're motions um yeah i think that's what he was doing so even at the end he's like ah oh, what another classic thor adventure yes <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's i'm trying to remember i think he finally like maybe he has like a real actual first emotional beat when he sees the message from sif yeah and he's like oh shit uh someone I actually know and needs me um mm-hmm. you know let's let's do this and he, he takes the screaming goats <laughs> yeah when when the when he's getting them delivered it's like you you have to take them it's it's customary no 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 give back no take so, yeah, no yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was that was great you could tell they just they've been wanting to get rid of these goats for the longest time right um i so i wanted to talk about the scene where he's leaving the guardians unless you wanted to uh hit something before that first no that's good all right because it was like very obvious to me when he was saying goodbye to them that he was like really like like we've already said like he's lost and this was the point where i realized that he was lost i think for the first time because he is reaching out and he's really wanting them to call him back to be like no we need you please stay with us or you know or or do something he wanted to be part of their family and they're not at all like they're they're kind of happy he's gone i guess maybe they found him annoying or something like Quinn didn't even make eye contact with him when he was trying very hard to make eye contact with Quinn. Quill. Just kept looking over. Or Quill, sorry. Is it Quill? Yep. Oh, I thought it was Quinn. Peter Quill. All right. Been long this whole time. That's all right. Uh, yeah, and and he's like looking over his shoulder at the guys. And he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, like a brother. And then he tries to do this long handshake because he just doesn't want to go. He's like, maybe somewhere along the handshake he'll stop me. And and they just let him go. And he's like, oh. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't show it on his face because he's Thor and he's not about to. And honestly, he may not even be fully consciously aware of it, but he is hurting. And there was some hope for something as he as he was saying that. And it just didn't come through. And, you know, he's like, well, yeah, you know, I'm Thor. I'm tough. I'm going to tank it. I'm going to keep going on with my life and do the thing that needs to be done. But I, I felt like I could tell that he was hurt and uh and just you know one of those this is life you accept it you keep going kind of things i'm glad you're picking that up i mean it's it was more obvious to me on the rewatch because on the first one it's not clear like when are they just trying to be funny and then when are Mm -hmm. they trying to do something but like you know that scene where he's leaning in front of star lord or you know quill when he's looking at his crew and he's trying to like get in the gaze you know yeah i think at that point you know maybe maybe we're reading maybe i'm reading a little too much into it but it's like he's he's aware okay he's not looking at me but i'm gonna try and you know if i if i can just squeeze into the frame here yeah uh, then then he's looking at me and i get i get to be part of this too but it's just not happening and like i think that you know if he's doing that in a self-aware way that's also him just kind of like already bolstering that you know that defensive wall you know 
Yeah. And I think that's part of the beauty of good filmmaking, that it can be both like just a ridiculous joke, like, haha, look at what Thor's doing, and also be meaningful at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, so, let's yeah, see. That- we didn't put together, like, unless you have notes, I, I, like, I had to put together, like, a, a list of timeline bits I want to hit. Um, uh, the, the next thing that I had was that uh, when he uh, runs into Mjolnir again, oh, man. and, uh, yeah, right, and, like, even Mjolnir rejects him. He was like, oh, my friend's back! And his friend's like, no, oh, fuck you, I'm with this lady now. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. I'm still Thor, I still got my axe, no problem. But, you know, again, it was one of those, like, things you could tell it was there was just there was a little bit of stab in there that happened oh there was a huge stab yeah Uh, i mean so it's you know you're he's like you're back and then it turns around and you kind of see his face go and then when uh when jane you know throws it past him it does that awesome thing where it breaks into bits and smashes the monsters um Mm -hmm. he looks just dismayed he's like not only did it go away but it's 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 obeying her it's it's her weapon now yeah and you know it's i think even like I think maybe this is one of the things that like I didn't quite pick up my first watch was like, you know, he, he talks to and about his weapons, like they're fully sapient things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's one viewing, but I don't actually like that. Like mm-hmm. there, there's, there might be like a simple will behind it, but not like, yeah. you know, might be as much will as a Roomba. Yeah. And, and he just imbues it with personality because that's who he is. That's his thing. Exactly. And, uh, it it comes through with, you know, uh, storm Stormbreaker not quite obeying his every whim because he's, he's conflicted. Right. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, the speaking of, you know, putting up walls, you know, so Jane steals his look and this before he realizes it's her and he's like, that's my hammer and that's my look. And then when she looks the other way for a second, he just goes full stupid with like the biggest, you know, bulkiest (laughs) armor, brightest armor, giant helmet and everything. Right, I'll, like, I'll Thor you. Right, I'll show you who's Thor. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's, it's I, again. I, I, I'm in my mind just like imagining critics pointing out how dumb that costume looked or something. But a, it like that that one was supposed to be over the top stupid, and the mm-hmm. costume we had for the rest of the thing was awesome. It was like electric, electric colors. You know, it was like the same yeah. kind of Thory colors, but it was like you know it popped. Yeah, yeah, it was it was sharp. But and I gotta say that scene where she takes off her helmet and he's like Jane, <laughs> like this is one of the reasons I love Thor as a character. I, I mean, I loved him in the first movie too. And uh, what which movie was it where he runs into Hulk? That was uh, Ragnarok. He's like, hey, I know that guy. He's a friend like, from like, work. Yeah, yes, I, I have a yeah, mug yeah. that says "friend from work." Just his sheer delight and honest like heartfelt pleasure at seeing people that he knows and he likes it comes through and it's wonderful it makes me really like the thor character and and mixed in with that with him seeing jane was just you know the obvious befuddlement right yeah like the last person he expected to see Um, (laughs) right and uh the shoot i had you know it's a lot of his expressions like a lot of the little small things he does i think Mm -hmm. mostly in endgame are the moments i'm thinking of but he and I'm not like an expert on acting or whatever, but I, I think that he's like, I think he's a really, really, really good actor. Yes. And, you know, he, he plays like, you know, kind of a goofball or whatever. It's maybe doesn't quite come through, but there are so many subtle things that he does that like, you know, that can't be in the script, especially like in Ragnarok, because um, lo- like most most of the lines in that were improv. That's Ra- crazy. Rather, they were like, all right, here's the scene. Thor, you're trying to convince Loki, you know, that, uh, or rather you're trying to convince Banner he should come with you, he should come with you to Asgard. 
Banner, you don't want to go. You guys be yourselves and, and do that scene. I don't. That's apparently like, how most an, of the writing went for that movie. As an actor, I don't know if I would have put up with that. I would have been like, what? you're not going to give me lines? Like, not even suggested lines? Fuck you. I, there, there, I mean, maybe there were suggested. It's not my job stuff. to be the writer. I, I think that at that point, though, there's such, they're already such strong characters that, like, all right, what would Thor do? And frankly, what would I want to do? Like, you know, I think, anyway, I it, so. it, at least it worked. And you've done like four or five movies playing this character before. So, oh, yeah, have it some would, idea. It'd be a drag to do like on the first whatever, right? Um, at that point, maybe you even know better than a lot of writers what Thor would probably say or do. Maybe that's why Taika put him in charge. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, yeah, I liked. Um, I thought Jane was awesome. Like, I she she's doing the exact same thing that Thor's doing, mm-hmm. but rather than you know facing a broken heart, she's well, she's got some of that, but she's facing imminent you know death. Yeah, she's she's hiding her weakness underneath the uh, the the facade of of Thor of the tough person. That Quite can literally and stuff. figuratively, the best kind yep. of literally and figuratively. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's and, why we like speculative fiction. Yeah, it, it was great, you know. And uh, I, I, I bought, you know, I bought the the character of whatever I, I call her Worthy Jane, but I guess Lady Thor. I loved that so much. We'll get to the mm-hmm. everything with Gore. Oh, we didn't talk about Gore, the God oh, Hunter oh or the my God Killer. God, yeah, that's right. We should have because he was the very first scene in the movie. Yeah, but he wasn't. You know, it. We we started talking about. You know, we we're talking Thor already, so. That's true, um, dude. I knew, dude, you, I knew you'd take... love it. Oh my god, you're like, you're, so much! You've already got such a, a a rage boner against the gods that I'm like, yes. I, I knew you were rooting for this guy. I bet some oh part of you god. was like, even if Thor has to die, I kind of want this guy to win. <laughs> Absolutely, like holy shit! Best fucking backstory ever, where the gods just abandon him and his people, and the god literally does not give two fucks. First of all, goddamn, I kept wanting to call him Edward Norton for some reason. Christian Bale fucking knocks it out of the park. Every single part that needs to be highly emotional and deeply pathos, he fucking nails. Every part where he's just supposed to ham it up and go over the top crazy villain, he does that. Like, holy shit, they got some amazing fucking actors to just shine all over this movie. I'm bad with actors name uh, with anyone's names and faces and so the whole movie i'm like that guy looks so familiar mm. and then when the credits are rolling i pull up i'm doing like oh that was christian bale <laughs> right <laughs> of course it was it was hard to tell at first because he's under so much makeup i like it, when he first him. picks up the necro sword he looks just like uh kratos ah he's got the red makeup line over his eye and everything it's Dude. a whole self-contained awesome little epic story in five minutes yeah maybe less yeah. it's it's so good and like the God deserves it so much. And I really hate gods as it is. So I was like, yes, yes. Kill all the gods. This is absolutely what I'm here for. It was fucking amazing. Just his loss of faith and how deserved the killing of the gods is. We see that like for every single God, basically in the movie. Also, did you notice that like all his uh, tattoos and shit, they seemed very tribal tattoos. And I was like, huh, the sun god seems to have the similar kind of thing under his eyes that uh, that he, that Christian Bale has tattooed under his eyes. And then after he becomes Gore, like all the tattoos are scarred up all over the place as if Gore had been like trying to scratch them off out of his skin. I was like, that is a really cool detail. That's solid. Yeah, no, I I like that. I didn't catch that it was all the tattoos, but no, I think you're, you're totally right. All right, so, oh yeah, then he shows up, of course, to steal the kids. And this is like another thing the pitch meeting poked fun at. Like, oh, he's going to steal the kids to lure Thor 
to prove, you know, and count on Thor being selfish, like so that he'll show up, like because all gods suck. And it's like that's mm-hmm. still consistent with Gore's worldview. Like can, in, can in I, Gore's I, worldview, he can just say Thor will show up because he carries he wants the adoration of the the muggles that he, you know, uh that worship him and they'll want mm-hmm. him to get the kids back. Plus he likes fighting. So another thing that I loved about this movie is that it is goth as fuck, particularly Gore. And when you first see those shadow monsters show up, first of all, every single one of them is unique and different and creepy cool, like some kind of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac monstrosity or uh, or, or just like ink magic from uh, Worth the Candle, right? Like oh, yeah. everyone is different, but they're all like these black, spiky, evil, gothy things that you would see in that sort of, oh, it was so good. And he like jumps through shadows and his final world is literally entirely black and white except for like when the uh the god's magic uh, weapons were glowing like near them there was some color which was o- just only awesome the light they effect. brought with them which was yeah i guess probably the magic light which is so cool that, yeah, that was such a visually so uh just awesome sequence yeah but like every single thing about him being absolutely black and white and goth as fuck and like talking with this thing and like oh oh loved it the aesthetics of it just mm. your so your good. enjoyment of this is contagious and i'm just i'm stoked on it <laughs> i love this movie man what I'm, can i say i'm so glad okay well i really loved gore because like the thing about him is he lost his daughter and he lost his faith in the gods he so my thesis with this movie is actually based on something I think that you told me before I watched it. You were like, remember that when this movie comes in, Thor has just lost his brother and his dad and his home world and basically everything that gets um, reiterated off the top with um, <laughs> Rocker. Yeah, with Korg's monologue. His his brother, his dad, his brother again, and this guy, <laughs> and that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the, the movie seems to me very much to be a, what do you do when you have lost everything that matters to you in your life, but you're still alive? That happened to Gore. He lost his entire society. Then he only had his daughter left. He lost his daughter. He still had his faith in his God. And then he lost that. He had absolutely nothing left except revenge when he's talking to the kids after he kidnapped them he says to them gods are supposed to protect you the way he says it to them like he believes it he still believes it that's why he hates the gods because the gods are supposed to protect you and they don't and fuck them they were supposed to protect him and those children much like he was trying to protect his daughter and they didn't even try right so In that moment, I saw, oh my God, he would be so absolutely happy to lose to Thor because that would prove to him that his faith was justified, that the gods are there to protect you. And Thor did come back to protect the kids. But the thing is, he can't kidnap the kids and then throw the fight to Thor, right? Like he has to attempt to kill Thor to prove that Thor really is trying to and can protect the kids. Because if he can't protect the kids from Gore, who the fuck can he protect them from, right? So, like, he wants to lose. And he he will only truly win if he dies at Thor's hand. But he can't, like, choose to do that. He has to fight with all his strength to defeat Thor. You and I think, thought that was just beautiful. You don't think that he wants his ultimate end of killing all the gods? He does if Thor can't protect the kids. Okay. He would prefer to die fighting Thor, but if he 
beats Thor, then yeah, he's going to go on and kill all the gods because that's the next best thing when it turns out that, nah, the gods are bullshit and they fucking suck at everything. So fuck them. I love that read on it. You know, I, I, I think just a full revenge mission was my mental model of him and it seems sufficient. You know, he's, he has a very good reason to be very vengeful. Um, mm-hmm. But if, if on his path to revenge, he's proving to himself over and over again, you guys aren't doing your jobs. Yeah. And, Every time and it, makes, forgot. it makes him angrier and angrier. Mm-hmm. Man, I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I, I'm super into it. <laughs> so, again, I, I love Gore very much. Yeah. No, I think they did a great job. I, I mean, his, you know, it, as far as like relatable supervillains, you know, it, it's like I never wanted, to, I never wanted Gore to win, but mm-hmm. I totally got where he's coming from. And like half the villains in Marvel movies, you're just like, so why is that? Because that's because we need a bad guy. It's like, oh, right. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, 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 li- I still like the recipe. I think that there's still stuff to get from them. But yeah, some of them are weaker than others, like the stories. And uh, Gore's motivation is very like, you know, none of us have been in his shoes. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully, um, even ho- hopefully none of us have been even close, but uh i think it's a lot of people have been in his shoes and they've been disenchanted by the world i think people who have lost religion in specific probably have been in his shoes at least metaphorically and i think some of them probably have been in his shoes literally yeah i think i think you're probably right uh like i i really wanted gore to win because i so much agree with him about the gods thing but the thing is like thor does exist and thor genuinely is like a good person and and he's a god, so it it was cool that like the one person that could prove him wrong was here in this movie to do so. And you know, and to I guess help keep the I don't know the anti god sentiment to help to help keep vindicating it. Uh, most of the gods of Olympus suck. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Fucking was it was not Kurt Russell? Russell um Russell Crowe. His last name Russell Crowe. Awesome fucking Zeus. Yeah, he was. Oh, he, he's so got good. His little tutu when he comes down the stairs, and he's just yep. he is all flourish and no uh and nothing else. Um, you are uninvited to the orgy. <laughs> like it. Oh, you know, Asgardian problems are Asgardian problems, and. Uh, mm-hmm. man that that whole thing uh i was going to mention real quick the beat with uh i guess actually because we still got to talk about stormbreaker so we're on our way to olympus we'll get there in just a minute but okay. uh when he's talking to jane and she's like what's it been like three years and he's like oh eight years and change or whatever and he gives you like the exact amount yeah because uh, she blipped and he didn't right you would think she'd have been more aware of but like i also just liked that he like he knew the days off the top of his head yeah. And it had been the better part of a decade. I didn't realize that she blipped. Was that in one of the movies? Um, if you're uh nerdy and observant, at the end of Infinity War and the post credit scene when Captain Marvel shows up, um, they're looking at like a screen, you know, one of those Tony Stark screens that, you know, shows all the three D and stuff. Yeah. And it's showing like Shuri and uh, Jane Foster was one of them. And so was uh, Ant-Man, even though he had, didn't actually blip. They were just like running a scan of the planet to see who all was missing, I guess. Ah, okay, uh, okay. So yeah, she, cool. she, she wasn't around. But uh, I, it wasn't, uh, so it was a you know, little fun note there. But it was also just like, oh, eight years, three months and, you know, whatever, right? Yeah, um, he knows exactly how long it's been. Yeah. And because 
that's that's one of the things that he lost. Right. And he's probably, you know, maybe he wasn't rehearsing it every day for the last eight years. Maybe it was just since he saw her or something, but like he, he, mm-hmm. he didn't, he, I doubt he had to like look at his, uh, his calendar to figure out, to remember what day it was, you know, um, mm-hmm. the, that might've been right around when, when we got the back, like the second, uh, narration. And it kind of explains like, you know, why, uh, why lady Thor. And it's like the great little backdrop of like, Oh yeah, they, they tried to make it work and they kept getting pulled away. Plus they were both scared. And so they just leaned yeah. into that being pulled away. And, the the beat where he, he or the moment where he says to Mjolnir, he's like, protect her. And yeah. it does the the Odin symbol on it. Um mm-hmm. that was touching. It That was good. Yeah. It's like again, to me, my mental model of Mjolnir is it has like again, like this kind of basic will, uh, not just to do what it's told, but like I think in some way to actually care about it in this in maybe slightly kind of like the way Yoruba cares about keeping your floor clean. Um mm-hmm. but with I don't know, with more oomph and it was another one of those scenes that made me like thor even more because he genuinely cared about her so much that that instruction carried enough of his like will with it that it imprinted on mjolnir and that was great yeah no it was awesome Um, mjolnir was an extension of his heart in that moment i i couldn't agree more and stormbreaker stormbreaker's acting crazy because He's he's, a, jealous. he's a, is it, so that that's what I liked about it is it keeps acting jealous right like it floats up behind him when he's trying to summon the hammer yeah. and like to me you know I part of me on like my first watch I'm trying to figure out like is it just being jokey like are they trying to act like the hammer is actually jealous or the the axe and it's like no it's this is where when we were talking about uh Truman if he could go back to whatever the island mm-hmm. uh Thor on some level knows he's like, he was literally reaching for the past in that mm-hmm. scene where he's trying to like, you know, come on. And he's trying to pull Mjolnir to him. And then his hammer, oh. or his, his ax creeps up behind him. Right. Oh man. That's such a good way of putting it that he was literally reaching for his past. I, you, so, you get another plus two writer points, Stephen. Yay. Uh, <laughs> I think that the, um, the, th- that's the whole thing. And th- that, that's where I got kind of torn on like what the movie was trying to do at the end was, because it seemed like what it was trying to do was basically say, you can't go back. Yeah. And it it still, I think it does sort of do that. But I think where it let me down, or at least maybe where I, I didn't, rather, maybe it didn't let me down, where I didn't pick it up was like, I didn't get, I think it would have, that message would have landed more obviously if Mjolnir remained in pieces after Jane died. Because like, if you can't go back and then, oh, but yeah. I've got, I've got the past. It's right here. It still works it still lands because it's not the same. Yeah. He doesn't have the past back. It's, it's markedly different. It is, it's actually smashed back together. Yeah. And so it's, it's not like he's got his, everything's just like it was. It's like, no, it's, it's different. And you can see the tape, you know, um, <laughs> you, 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 you literally have the pieces of the past and you've, you've made something else out of it. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was going for. I agree. All right. That you can- All right. So we're, we're back on, the god world everyone's as big of a letdown as you could ever hope they would be um, yes oh, but isn't it such a beautiful world i could not get over how pretty omniopolis was it was pretty cool i just kept looking around as much as i could i was like oh my god there's so much cool shit everywhere it's so colorful and floaty and nice and it's look, like the exact there's the opposite god of, of carpentry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was it jesus they didn't show uh but oh, okay. it must have been right <laughs> right um so you know the whole thing with with Zeus, he sucks. He's a complete wimp. And then he even goes to Thor, you know, 
when he tutus, you know, holds it, holds his little skirt and dances down to him. Nothing wrong with mm-hmm. wearing a skirt. Nothing wrong with wearing a skirt if you're a guy. But holding <laughs> it the dainty way that he did was yeah. was supposed to, you know. And then he's like, yeah, I am afraid. But you know what? We're going to be fine. He can't get here. And no one even knows where eternity is. Let and the then people outside the gates fucking suffer and starve. We don't care. Yeah. They, they just, they want to have their semi-annual orgies. Um, yeah. Maybe they're monthly. He's, you know, it seems like it was, there's probably lots of orgies going on. But yeah, it was just reiterating all the gods suck. Yeah. It was kind of surprising that none of the gods in the audience stood up either. I mean, I get it. Like, you know, we don't need more characters and they're all wimps too, but you think somebody, I maybe, think maybe you wouldn't, maybe they do all suck. Maybe if you live in Omniopolis, you either get with the program or you move on to a different place because you can't stand all these people acting like this. That's a good point. Maybe there's a reason Thor doesn't live there. Dude, I love the scene where he ripped his clothes off and all the courtesans around uh, Zeus fainted out of, I don't know, horniness or whatever it was. Right. That was so good. I want that reaction someday. It was it was solid. Yeah. Um, there was a moment too, like, and it's it's kind of funny because of his of his word choice, but uh, when Zeus throws lightning bolt and hits Korg and he's falling apart. Oh my God, yeah. And he says, Thor, I'm perishing. Uh, mm-hmm. perishing was ha- like how he kept using the word die in Ragnarok. Okay. And like, it, I think he did use the word dying or dead once or twice, but like he, he conflated the two words. And so like, for me, I, I thought he was dying. Yeah, uh, I did too. And it was, it, I was like, holy shit, there's going to be a death in this movie. Yeah. Um, you I know, think it, it was hard. It and was, actually there is, there is, but it, you know, it, it might've been more impactful if he had died. And I get why Taika probably didn't want to, didn't want to write himself out, but, mm-hmm. uh, it I was, was slightly disappointed that he didn't die, but all things considered, I think it's fine. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a supporting character. Yeah. And so it's not like, um, I don't know. Like the most important thing is that we were never faked out. Like we, we knew that he was not actually dead within two seconds of seeing him maybe perish. Right. Right. So th- there wasn't a stupid fake out. I really hate the stupid fake outs. This at least was like, oh, okay, I guess he's not actually dead. He's just crippled and taken out of the story as a physical being, right. which maybe they needed to do for, uh, for that scene on the black and white world where uh, they just wanted the three gods I think and, it, uh, and not Korg. Yeah. I think it needed to come down to like the only people left in action being Jane and Thor at the end. Uh, yeah. And, and, and Valkyrie, although she was, she was within the black and white world, but she wasn't at the very, very end. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying is they need, they needed to, to like get injure, all of them out. And, so it was yeah, just those two. Exactly. Yeah. They can't have any other backup. Cause then you could ask, why did they use the other backup? Yeah. But the, the whole point is there was, there is no one else. You always have to boil it down to just the final climactic crux characters at the end. Right. Uh, yeah. Thor dramatically kills Zeus, which was awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. I, well, all right, you go left. We'll rush his bum on three. No, no one's rushing anyone's <laughs> bum. <laughs> well, still, you know, leaning into that, like fish out of water context that you like with Thor. I like that a lot. I loved it. I always love it. Let's see. Rescue by screaming goats. Where do they go after that? Do they just go straight towards, uh, oh, that's when, yeah, yeah, but on the way there, that's when Jane tells him that she has cancer. Yes. And like, I obviously, you know, that hit a, hit a note with me, but, uh, I think it's, it's obviously, I think it's supposed to for everybody, but she says like, don't pity me. And it's clear that he's not right. I think that that's like a reaction to be like, you know, I'm angry. I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. And making it seem like it's actually offensive to me to talk about it might shut this down. 
but he's not having it. He goes on with this tortured analogy because he's not explaining about how he wants to feel shitty. No, I, I want to feel shitty about you. He's like, I'm still not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he yeah. explains and I, it's, it's great. You know, and the fun thing is like that, that's, that's a cliched and tried and true message from fiction and life. Like keep your heart it's open. Better to have, yeah. Better to have loved and lost. Right. And, you know, keep your heart open to love again. Cause it's always going to be better. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but to do it this way, rather than to act like they're having like an original thought mm-hmm. and make it make it funny, I think it was a great idea. I agree. I want to feel shitty about you. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on the way to, uh, I don't know what to call it other than the Dark World, but that was literally the title of Thor too. Um, I felt bad for Valkyrie because, yeah. I mean, she's super gay and normally that's like an awesome thing, but she's really into Jane and- she can't have Jane and her previous partners, her sisterhood were all slaughtered in front of her. And I was like, Oh, she, we don't get much about her, but she is also one of these characters that has lost everything in the world. And she's, she's still trooping on. And at first she drowned herself in alcohol. And now she's being the King of new Asgard. And that's given her some meaning, something to protect uh, which is going to be my final thesis, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but it's still hard for her. She's still feeling pain, and especially at that moment when she's looking at the two of them, and she's like, "I want Jane too, but Jane's straight, and it doesn't seem like they're poly anyway." And I'm just going to be over here and have some alcohol and be sad by myself. Uh, I felt bad. You know, I I guess I assumed she was bi, um, but it, it didn't occur to me for some reason that she had a romantic interest in Jane, even though it's probably obvious. Uh, you, you didn't get that one in Omniopolis. She's like, I'm on the same team you're on. And he's like, what team is that? She's like, team Jane. I mean, I remember the line. I guess I took it like as, as a dig at Thor, you know, like nudge, nudge. I, I'm on her side, not yours, but not like I'm on team, like, let's date Jane. Uh, I, I, I think it could be interpreted either way, which no. is part of the genius. And I always interpret things the gayest way possible. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's, there's probably a virtue in that, but uh, no, I think I think yours is probably the intended reading. Like, uh, it it I guess it was never clear either. Like her sisterhood of Valkyries, like she loved them and she lost them all, but it wasn't clear that it was like romantic. Um, you know, it, isn't it? I I think it's romantic in the same way that you know Aragorn kissing Boromir on the forehead was romantic. In that it no, was. I, I thought I, I thought it was both um, sexual, romantic, and like very clearly, explicitly. So maybe I'm very wrong about that. Uh. I might be, I might be forgetting or misremembering something. It, it, maybe again. I think a lot of this stuff goes right over my head. I, I didn't start really <laughs> picking up romance until we read Worth the Candle. So, uh, well, part of my problem is that I always interpret things in the gayest way possible. <laughs> but also that I, uh, I didn't. I, I only saw like the earlier movies one time each, and I wasn't paying huge amounts of attention to them. So I. Most of what I picked up about Valkyrie, I picked up in my two watchings of this movie. And she just, you know, from the text in this movie, it seemed very much that it was strongly hinted at that they were an extended polycule and she lost everyone she loved. You like you liked this enough to watch it twice. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I've, I felt that I had to if I was going to do a whole podcast on it, especially because the first time I saw it was before I left for Europe. So like, you know, two and a half months ago and lots of life stuff happening in between. Yeah, it's been, it, we, we had a, you know, long break between when we were going to do this and then actually did it. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think you're, you're probably right. I just, cause it, it's clear that she lost 
loved ones. I guess I just, I never quite make the connection. Um, mm. But no, I think, I think that's probably the intended reading. So you're right. Like she's, she's looking out wistfully and be like, man, I wish that was me out there. But also if that was me out there, she would die and I'd lose her. And I'm definitely not doing that. So uh, <laughs> you mean, know what I want? Def- you know what I'm going to do? This giant bottle of whiskey. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely supposed to be at least sort of up to interpretation so that the, you know, super Christian people can also watch this movie and interpret it their way. It's like, it's almost, so this was a big thing in the nineties, uh, really hit big with, with Xena where everything had to be written to maximally pander to the lesbian audience. Cause they were the hardcore base, but still be completely deniably straight so that the mass culture could watch it and not, you know, get their panties in a bunch. And it's interesting. It seems to have switched now to the opposite. where like, it's default gay, but like can be interpreted to be straight if you want it to. But uh, either way, it's a thing that Hollywood has been doing forever. And it's fun, I think, to, to have that kind of at least a little bit of ambiguity there so you can do what you want with it. I like the, you know, certainly just like leaving it open so everyone gets to kind of put their own stuff in it. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like people are forcing it, but uh, I, oh, don't think, I don't think this is one of those times at all. So. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I force things sometimes too. Meh. Um, Forcing is part of the fun in watching these sorts of things, right? Oh yeah. I mean, if I, if I wasn't, you know, imprinting my, like what I want to be on the screen to what's on it, I think I would enjoy these less. Uh, Yeah. uh, We kind of already talked about how awesome the Korg fight or the core, the gore fight went. Um, Yeah. I love, you know, I feel like, you know, the, uh, the screaming goats were, there enough to punctuate being funny i think exactly mm-hmm. enough times like mm-hmm. it I, like it was funny like you see the moon coming up and then they just smash into it because it's actually just like a really small that was planet so fucking cool and yeah. like the goats are understandably distressed and screaming about it and it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's funny um mm-hmm. they they kick in the glass when it starts playing uh shoot those are the guns and roses song um uh, oh oh in omniopolis yeah yeah, wasn't that the uh, the reef uh, reef? Wasn't that the Sweet Child Mine riff? Yes. Yeah, the, uh, one of the most recognizable riffs in rock and roll, and it it comes in with you know giant stained glass shattering and screaming goats, <laughs> mm. and it is I think it was a great balance of like let's be ridiculous and funny and uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think they nailed it. Um, yep. All right, what else we got? Uh, so let's see, Valkyries out of the fight. Oh man, yeah, we're closing in. So this yeah, is where, just... when Jane lands, and there's that bit too before they leave when she's like at the sink, and she, it's not clear what makes her what makes her lose like the Thor power. It's not letting go of the hammer because she throws it regularly in the fights, um, yeah. but it seems to be when she like not just whatever lets it go, but lets it go in italics. Yeah, and sometimes she lets it go, I guess, out of exhaustion. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, because when she, when you see her get weak in front of the in in the bathroom before they leave, it's like, or in her apartment, you know, she drops it, and I think it crashes to the floor. Um, yeah, well, that's it's also one of those things. I think it's one of these awesome things where you know you make the metaphorical literal, where when you're wearing a mask to protect yourself, to protect your heart, whether it be the Thor mask or whatever, you can't wear it all the time. It, it is tiring, and every now and then you have to let it down, and she had the same kind of thing where she had to just let it down every now and then. And that's when like, it's like, Oh, my human form is getting completely ravaged while I'm doing this. I like that. And, you know, to, to move for- further with that metaphor, like it, 
the, the mask gets heavier the longer you're putting it on. Yeah. Right? Because it's taking more work. The the thing is that I like about it, and I, I still have IMDb open because uh, I was looking to see who played that god. Uh, Natalie Portman's listed as Jane Foster slash the Mighty Thor. And I like that a lot. That's that's what I would have preferred, you know, rather than uh, whatever, a Thor. But um, yeah. And so the, 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 I brought that up because uh, it's not just a mask for her, right? Mm-hmm. At the end, she gets to pick uh, kind of. I actually think that would have been one other thing I would have changed about this movie. What's uh, that? At when they return from um, whatever that fight with Gore, and he's got uh, uh, Stormbreaker, and that uh, Jane's the in Shadow the, Realm. The Shadow Realm. There we go. Um, Jane's in the the hospital bed, and the doctor says like something's fight stopping her about Audie's ability to fight the cancer we might be able to do something or something like the only way we can do something is if she takes it easy, but it's like yeah. super far from a sure thing. Yeah. I think it would have, and maybe I, I don't know if they had said, I think we can save her, but she can't pick up the hammer again. Okay. If they'd like made it more of a sure thing. Yeah. Like if she was throwing away a 95% chance rather than a 5% chance. Yeah. I think that would have hit harder, but maybe there's no need to be that like direct with it. They might've actually yeah, had to I give see- numbers, you know? I see what you're saying. I think you're right. I also, I don't know. I'm not sure that wouldn't have felt very, I'm worried that wouldn't have been, that would have been a little too unrealistic because we'd already been seeing from the beginning of the movie that her cancer was not responding to treatment very well. She was in stage four. The things didn't seem to be helping. I'm kind of annoyed that new Asgard didn't have any special medicine for her, (laughs) but (laughs) you know, Charlie mentioned that she was like, why is New Asgard a tourist town? They have this amazing technology. They could be like a tech and industrial capital, but they're pandering to tourists. It's like it's a it's a Marvel movie. It doesn't have to be it makes sense. Well, they're also essentially a refugee camp. Yeah, like they are a very small fraction of the population of Asgardians that were there five you know that existed six years ago. That's true, but they could set up a factory, right? Maybe. I mean, we saw the whole town. There are like 200 people who lived there. I guess they could do a factory, but you know, some of them, I don't think were as guardians like, and it's not even clear, you know, when they fled, they didn't get to like load up the ship with all their tech. It's true. You know, I, I guess I, so this is where I, like, you know, I do that thing where I'm shoving what I want onto the screen. The other reason is because it's funny and it, you know, yeah, we don't need to see exactly. that. Exactly. And maybe, you know, there, there's the thing too, as long as I'm going to go ahead and just push my version of it. Uh, Asgard's, you know, not a place it's people lol, but, um, it's, it's also a, like a proper realm. It's not just like any muggle can jump in a spaceship and go there. Like it's, it's a, I think it's actually a magical place. And yeah, so their all the tech all, worked like, here on earth, right? I don't know. It seemed to, they had the, uh, the ship that could float around that they were using as a tourist thing. Right. Oh, yeah. You're right. That could fly. I mean, that could be flying on Stark tech, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Fair it, enough. It, but that, that could be a, a magic Asgardian thing too. You know, at this point, maybe all their tech is equaled or surpassed by Stark tech anyway, so they no longer have an advantage, in which case their real advantage comes with the fact that like, hey, we're alien space Vikings. Come see us do cool shit. With with the notable exceptions of their magic weapons. Right. Well, I mean, but Thor, not Thor, um, Iron Man has magic weapons. Wakanda now has all the same tech stuff. Like, eh, I guess they're got, not really. They've got bullshit sci-fi magic. <laughs> right. Thor shoots lightning bolts and, and teleports a, uh, a sky beam to tell, you know, to fly through space. Yeah. All right. 
but they they could have done something other than the tourism but the tourism was funny and it worked yeah i agree uh i think pitch meeting guy pointed out that having infinity cone might be a little like little too soon um <laughs> after half the universe is killed and you know yeah sure they're back but like there's still a lot of trauma associated with that and you know people who died in related accidents or you know subsequent suicides weren't brought back right you know i, I mean i feel like it'd be like a lot like having a a section at disney world called meowschwitz you know like <laughs> people still get ups- upset at hitler chicken in uh korea well th- there you go i i think uh i i think that you know thanos was a uh maybe because he was less well known you know like people knew that it was this alien guy that killed everybody but like it wasn't like you know everybody knew about hitler because he was running things for years um yeah this guy his entire time on earth was all of like 15 minutes and then he is gone forever afterwards right Um, yeah i don't know but i that's probably you know reading too much into stuff but uh where were we with Asgard and uh, uh, we magic. were talking about we were talking about um, oh, Jane. Yeah, if she could be if she could be healed. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you know having it be like oh yes, we've got our magic arts guardian medicine. Of course, if that existed, she would have gone there for as guardian medicine. She wouldn't have tried you know Viking space magic. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so yeah. But again, I I think it might have been like a would have made her sacrifice heavier, but it doesn't actually need to be. Yeah. Like she, I think it was already a good sacrifice. Yeah. She, she would rather have died a hero than live like, right. You know, or, or, but that's the thing, like choosing to die a hero is easy when you have a 2% chance of living through the week, you know? Yeah, I suppose, but it was still, I still felt it was meaningful too. Oh, well, I hundred percent did too. It was great. Yeah. The moment when yeah. she shows up, uh, is, you know, only like, I actually kind of wonder about this cause I rewatched the movie and, Thor looks at her and says no out loud. And like, I get it, but like his face said it all. Yeah. I feel like that was a line that he was told to say, not something that he was, that he would have said. Cause he's not, he's not doing the, you know, Thor is not playing Thor at that at anymore in the movie. Right. Right. You know, he's playing Thor all along with the Asgardians and stuff, but he's, he's done pretending, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I also liked when he souped up all the kids. Oh, wait, hold on before we, before we get to that. Yeah. Uh, Cause I also like that, but um, I think the, the thing is, like you say, she has a two percent chance of living, or she can die a hero. But like, she doesn't know she's going to die a hero. She can pick up the hammer, warp there, and it turns out Thor has got everything in hand. Everything's fine. Like she, the thing is, you may be sacrificing yourself for absolutely nothing at all. You don't know what's happening there. Maybe it's great the day is saved. They just didn't quite get back to you in time. If you waited three more minutes then Thor would have been there being like, Hey, everything's cool. I got the kids. Like she, she chose to die for a chance that she might be able to help. And, you know, maybe they didn't need her. Maybe even if she did show up, it wouldn't make a difference. So it was, it was a gamble either way. Like there's a chance she might be able to help and she's willing to die for the chance that she might be able to help. I, uh, I'm sold. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think the specific probabilities on her recovery aren't really that important. And yeah. you're right. Like I liked, she had, you know, like the vision of what was going on there, presumably through being a Thor, she could just see through all Thor's eyes. Um, you know, we don't need to, to figure out how she could see, but Mjolnir is there, not just there, not just like summons to her hand. It's in the room 
vibrating with this subtle intensity. Like you can tell it's just ready to explode. And yeah. it's it's like the Phoenix showing up and saying, let's go. Oh. Did you get that vibe at all? I did not, but I was I was into other things at the time. The the hammer vibrating didn't I didn't notice it so much. Maybe it was now easier to see on the big it. screen. It was vibrating. Like I said, it wasn't just there. It didn't like just float in like uh, Stormbreaker did when Thor was, you know, messing around earlier. It Okay. It so was, it was telling her you're needed. I, I think so. I think, but the thing is, I don't think it was telling her. I think it was she, because I think they control the weapons. She wanted to be there in her oh. deepest core. She's dying to go. Yes. And, oh, that is so good. You know, kind of like when uh, the Phoenix shows up to Harry, like it doesn't show up because like it wants him to go. It shows up because he wants to go. Yeah. If the weapons could talk, I think it would have just said, come, you know, yeah. we're, we're going to make that. We're going to do this. Nice. I was going to say about the kids souping up. I just thought it was adorable. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I liked it. This is the part of the fight where we're not serious yet. We're just uh, doing awesome, fun stuff. It is great visuals. The kids get to have a good time. There's a bunch of ass kicking going on. And they fucking play the uh, epic second half of uh, November Rain, which is just <laughs> excellent battle music. And uh, I, I loved every bit of it. The little girl with the laser bunny eyes. Yes. It's funny. I probably haven't seen the pitch meeting for this movie in months, but I think I'm remembering that he also had a joke about that. Like, oh, he, that's just a thing he can do now. And Goats. yeah, first of all, why not? Second of all, he was powering whatever the spell or the, the power of it with uh, Zeus's weapon. Maybe it needed the extra juice. Um, mm-hmm. If you're super nerdy, you'll have noticed that in the trailer for Ragnarok, uh, Hela shatter or catches Mjolnir. It doesn't show it shattering in the trailer. Uh, I remember this from like five years ago. Um, in an alleyway it wasn't in a field the the original shot of that was uh odin was like a homeless guy um like with with amnesia and stuff uh and before he dies he gives thor his like you know he imbues him with all of his power Mm -hmm. and so uh i think they didn't include that in the in the final movie maybe just because it's not clear what odin can do so we don't want to make like superman or thor you know closer to superman than he already is Um, right but you know, who cares? It was it was Thor slash Odin slash you know it was it was Viking space magic. Um, yeah, and it and I'm with you. It was just it was fun. Uh, it, I loved how he said, "For I imbue you for a limited time only with the power <laughs> of Thor." And I was just thinking right that time because like, yep, he he learned he imbued uh, Mjolnir to <laughs> Jane forever. So he's like, "For a limited time." He he had a hard enough time sharing the Thor spotlight with like the one person in the world he would choose to share it with, right? exactly i don't even like sharing with the person i love the most i don't want to share with all of you little shits like <laughs> right and then you're gonna be teenagers eventually and uh yeah forget that uh yeah. no it was epic uh yeah jane shows great. up she's got like the I, great the cool I, visual what? of the is that a unicorn or just a flying horse uh i believe that's a pegasus oh yeah so good it's just a pegasus because if it was a unicorn it have- it'd be a little on the nose yeah, I don't know. Did it have a unicorn horn? I don't. I don't think so. Now. But anyway, like yeah. that's how it looks like when it showed up in the flashback scene, where like it shows them all going to fight Hela. Um, like that's just mm. what the that's what its entrance looks like. Can I say before uh, we get any further how awesome the use of November Rain in this scene was? Because I forwarded you the November Rain video, and I don't know if you bothered to watch it, but. Uh, it's extremely appropriate because November Rain, the, the video at least, is also about a person who loses the most important thing to them, 
uh, and is cast adrift afterwards and doesn't know what to do. And uh, the person that they lose is the the female love interest, right? It's Axel Rose uh, and his lady friend, and they get married. And then right after the wedding, she dies. And uh, it's it, it works in the same way if following the movie's themes, but also they are playing that particular part right as Jane is laying in the bed and she opens her eyes and sits up and decides to go and kill herself, basically. Uh, and in the music video, there's an almost identical scene where Axel startles awake, his eyes open in the bed, and then he sits up. And it was him having a nightmare about his wife dying again. And I was like, that is just kind of perfect that they're like, your female loved one is choosing to die, is dying right now in this scene when this music is playing that fits that video. And I thought it was great. There's no doubt that wasn't intentional. Uh, it had to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it was uh, too close of a visual match. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I didn't watch it because if I, if my brain could parse song lyrics, I might've picked up on any of that. I can't. Oh, the song lyrics, I don't, the, don't have much to do with the visual story of, oh, okay. of the video. I, then in that case, I, I, I saw what it was and I was like, oh, you just like the song. <laughs> I didn't watch it. So I will, I will actually watch it. <laughs> that's awesome. And if it, if it has a similar visual, then that's, that parallel is great. Apparently the reason that Guns N' Roses was like the whole soundtrack for this movie is the entire reason was Taika likes Guns N' Roses. And I think that's a awesome enough reason. Um, yeah. You know, I, after that scene, I was wanted to go back and watch if like all the songs were super appropriate like that. And I think maybe a little bit for the first one, but I think for the most part, it was just damn good music. Yeah, I think certainly with uh, um, Welcome to the Jungle. I mean, you know. Like, it, see, so Welcome to the Jungle, again, that works. It does kind of fit, doesn't it? It really does. And it's also like, not, not only was it their first big breakout hit, but at least according to videos that I have watched, it was um, when Axel first showed up in LA, he came from a small town out in the Midwest somewhere. Uh, he, he was like a small town hit kid, basically. Uh, and when he shows up, he's like, adrift and lost and kind of blown away by how fucked up this place is and just like anything can happen and they're like yeah we don't care about you man you're just another body here how can you help us in in what we're trying to do it fits right where at that point thor is also lost and adrift and doesn't feel like much of anyone cares about him and he's just like fuck this i'm going and swinging this is a terrible time in my life but uh you do what you gotta i super into it I love it. Mm. I, Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I like that thought. I think you're probably right. I think that he probably chose the music for more than just like, I like this band. Um, sure, but it's also just like a great song to kick ass to, right? That too. <laughs> Welcome to the, the jungle, the hellscape of, of battle. Right. Look what you guys did. You got me, right? Y'all yeah. are fucked. Um, <laughs> right. No, it's perfect. There's there's two actually great important bits. You know, the one of them, because she, she was working on her catchphrase. So he says, you know, you're losing Lady Thor, or like you've already lost Lady Thor or something. Mm-hmm. And she says, first of all, it's Mighty Thor. And if you can't do that, I'll accept Dr. Jane Foster. And third, mm-hmm. eat my hammer. And she yells <laughs> it and her voice kind of breaks. And yes, it's a corny line, but I fucking love it. It might be. It was good. It was perfect. Like, it was like, I am embracing myself now. Well, and like, the thing is, she's, she's just trying. Yeah. And the, I mean, she's, she's also, she's also succeeding, but like, right. you know, it, that is not, uh, you know, the kind of catchphrase that instills fear into the hearts of your enemies. It's, it's her leaning into it and just like 
it I'm having a trouble articulating it. And I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I loved the line. And if anyone's like, it's corny, it's like, that's, that's kind it's of, that's, that's part of the point. Yeah. It's actually specifically how her voice like cracks when she's yelling it. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's set with emotion, even though it's stupid. Like yeah. she, she's putting her heart into it. Uh, and so it's not so much about what she's saying. It's how she's saying it. Um, exactly. That's yes. Thank you. That's good. Yeah. Um, I liked the moment when they break the necrosword. They're like, oh, great, we got him because he's tied to it and he'll die right after. And then Mjolnir summons the hilt back to him and it's pulling the pieces in. You see her kind of like battered and bloody. She pulls it back and grabs all the pieces. Then like, oh, good, we got him. But pieces are still slipping out. And at some point it's going to hit a critical mass where he's going to be fine. She looks at Thor and like, I think it's clear, like, I'm going to put all my strength into this. And we both know what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, this is one of the things... I don't know. Maybe I've just gotten past doing the thing I've gotten past doing is like finding like, well, they could have just done this Mm, like that. That's always, that's a fun kind of exercise, but it's not as much fun. I think as like, what are they trying to do? And there are like good textual reasons. Like what they could have done is have Thor do it. You know, he's got all the strength to in the world to do to throw into the hammer without dying, but Mm. they've got seconds, right? Yeah. Is she going to throw the hammer to him and have him catch it? Like it gets closer to, to gore that way. Is he going to mm-hmm. run over there and do it? That, that's going to burn mm-hmm. time too. Like, no, it had to be her. And so, absolutely, yeah. And then, of course, I think this is also pitch meeting guy. Like, why didn't they use eternity to like stop Thanos or to reverse the the blip or whatever? But who cares? Exactly what you said. I don't think that they knew how to get to eternity like back then. But also, it doesn't fucking matter, right? You know? That's not the point. Because if they'd done it that yeah. way, it would have been really unsatisfying. Is why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. he killed everybody, but we've got this magic wishing well that we can just go and, and fix it. So let's do that. Uh, right but when gore gets there first and like mm-hmm. you know if thor had not gone to jane when she went down after destroying the sword he might have been able to catch gore first you know but he had, he had his priorities and yeah. then gore gets through the through there that was that was like the christian bale line too when he turns to go back to jane he's like don't you dare turn your back on me and he says if i've got moments left why would i spend them with you i'm choosing love you can too you can bring her back yeah. Make your wish. And he's like, it's just like, it's awesome. You know, he, he's is. not, he's not doing the hero thing. Cause not only I guess, is it over, but he's going with his heart for once. That's, that's fully him embracing it. Right. Yeah. He could have run in and punched that guy to death. Cause he's pissed. You just killed Jane. I'm so mad at you. Right. But he would rather spend her last moments with her. Yeah. It's a question of priorities. And also he probably couldn't run in and punch him to death. Then he would wish all the gods dead. That too. I, although I don't think that was in his calculation. No, I don't think it was. I think it was just that Thor is that good of a person that, again, this was like sort of a a destiny, a provenance kind of thing where the only person who could change Gore, who could redeem the gods in Gore's eyes was Thor. And part of that was the fact that Thor would turn his back and go back to Jane. If he hadn't been that person, then things wouldn't have been redeemed, but he is. And that's why everything works out so beautifully at the end. Hell yeah. I have this thing with Gore where I think it was a perfect ending. I I haven't read anything about this movie. All I heard was that a lot of people don't like it. And like for just a split second, when he was being tempted with the return of his daughter, right? I was thinking she's not going to be with him. Maybe it won't even really be his daughter entirely. Don't you want the death of the gods so much more? But the thing with eternity is it doesn't grant you a wish in the traditional sense. It doesn't give you the thing you ask for. It gives you the thing you actually wish. I don't know 
why I think that, I just do. I'm reminded of a book I read a few years ago, Roadside Picnic. Are you familiar with the Stalker games and the, the Chernobyl thing? Uh, No. No? Okay. There's like a dead zone where aliens landed once and now everything in there is hyper dangerous. You go in there, something will kill you or the radiation will kill you or something. It's like people run in and out of it to get artifacts that they can sell. Somewhere deep inside of it is a golden orb that if you get it will grant your wish. Wait, what was this called? Roadside Picnic. Do you remember who wrote it? Let me look it up. I bet I know who it is because I think the most recent Very Bad Wizards was on this book. Oh, really? Like, it was a very uh, similar premise. Arkady and Boris Sturgatsky. Why the hell can't I find Very Bad Wizards? Sarkovsky's uh, masterpiece. Oh, they talk about a movie called Stalker. I think that must be based off this movie or this book. It's because, not. Because they summarized it. It's a similar. It. Like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's a cardened off zone. They're going in there for an artifact. It, it grants people their deepest desire. I guess that's a tale as old as time, but. This yeah. seems like it just it checked every box so far. So sorry for the digression. Oh, no problem at all. Um, so this is a spoiler for literally the last page of the book, right? But it, it is one of those stories that's good enough that getting a spoiler of the end doesn't particularly matter. So you, people can choose to skip ahead a minute or not as they want. But uh, he finds the artifact. He sees it. He's skipping towards it. And the last paragraphs of the story, like literally the last lines are him thinking, Thank God, at last, there will be peace on earth. There will be abundance and like brotherhood between men and that kind of stuff. And we as the reader know that that is not what is going to happen. Because from everything we've seen from him in in this book up to this point, it's going to grant him what he really wants, which is something else. And it's going to be kind of awful and make the world a lot worse. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be some kind of dystopia shit going down. But he doesn't know that. He... still thinks that he wants what's best for everyone and peace and love and abundance for everyone, right? So it's like one of those, oh man, that shit's about to happen. And then the book ends, Uh, which just a great way to end the book. Yeah, it's kind of epic. Yeah. Uh, But I felt very much the same kind of thing here where Gore, if he had wanted in that moment for all the gods to die, that's what would have happened no matter what words came out of his mouth, which is also why no words had to come out of his mouth at all. And what actually happened was, as as had been set up earlier, in my opinion, Thor did defeat him and did prove that actually some of the gods are good and just and do protect the people and that his faith was justified all along. And so he didn't want the gods dead anymore. What he wanted was his daughter back. And that happened. And it was beautiful. I sure like that a lot more than them just convincing him that getting his daughter back could be a better use of his wish. Uh, right like which is also touching in its own way uh but it's it's super lame if that's what happened i mean it's it's only a little lame it's super lame if like he got talked into wanting his daughter more like fuck that he's all about revenge well the thing is like he's all about revenge but it's like look that revenge was when revenge was the only thing on the table great but like you're mad because you lost her like you can actually just solve the problem that made you the person you are See, if I was trying to be talked into that, I would be so pissed off because I'd be like, I'm sorry, you're trying to bribe me with one life. I'm just going to abandon all the other beings in the universe to the mercy of these bullshit, awful, terrible gods that still tyrannize them. No, it's worth my life and the life of my daughter to free all people from these things. And I'm pissed off that you would even try to tempt me with that kind of thing. Like, this would have been a good hero moment. We're like, no, actually, the sacrifice of these two lives is worth everyone being free, which is why I'm glad 
that they didn't try to talk him into it because instead of that bullshit, what happened was that his his heart was converted by what happened and the wish that was granted was the thing he deeply actually wanted, even if intellectually maybe he wouldn't think that that's the best thing. That intellectually he still thinks people should be freed from the gods, but in his deep heart that's no longer the case because his faith was redeemed. So I'm, I'm in this conundrum here because I really like your version. Okay. And I, I don't want to take away your enjoyment. <laughs> oh, of your, don't worry. Of your you can never take it away. <laughs> well, good. Because I mean, the only thing is that I think I think the the movie actually is basically explicit. Like Thor says he can get her back. And then he says, but I'm dying. She'll have no one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Jane says, yes, she will. She'll be loved. And she mm-hmm. looks at she looks at Thor, who looks at Gore and nods. Yeah. And like only once he's heard that, does he make his wish? Like, I think that certainly helped push him over to like knowing that the one good God that he's aware of would also be the one who takes care of his daughter. I, I think it certainly it, had an impact. I think it can be a bit of column A and a bit of column B because it's not just like, you know, the standard like, you know, I I want, you know, I forget my whole revenge mission. I just want it, it, it's not like John Wick wishing for his puppy back at the end. Right. <laughs> right. Like th- this is this is Thor wishing for Jane back. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, I, I'm actually willing to throw away my entire revenge mission for her. It's not just my little girl. It's not just this little girl. It's my little girl. Mm-hmm. Speaking of speaking of which, that little girl was played by India Hemsworth, uh, yeah. his his uh, his daughter. Um, Whole Hemsworth family getting in on this. That's know, pretty damn right? cool. Uh, but um, I I think that there's something beautiful in him saying, "You're right. My revenge mission was a priority, but I can I can actually get back the thing I really do care most about." Which, you know, I think it, it fits into both, you know? Yeah. Um, I, it might not have been him being argued into it. It was kind of just maybe him realizing it. Yeah. Uh, but. Either way, it was a good ending. Yeah. And you're right. I think it's not quite just his daughter. I think even Korg's final monologue or uh, narration, I keep calling it a monologue, um, says that like with the power of eternity or something and like her reflection in the pool is like yeah. that star god thing and then you know little girl that makes me wonder is like how much how much of eternity is in that little girl maybe all of it is, uh, it, is she really the little girl then uh, you know is hermione any less hermione just because she's also a unicorn princess i mean <laughs> that's a good point but i don't know it's it's oh wait and she also like shoots a laser or something uh at Thor's mm-hmm. frying pan. So I don't think she could do that before, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I um, it's funny. Cause like part of me wonders like, Oh man, what are they going to do with like this crazy, strong, interesting character in future movies? But part of me kind of just hopes we never see her again. Like not because I don't think she's interesting just because if we do, it'd be evidence that we're going to see everything that Marvel has done in the last five years again. Mm, and some of okay. these things I would love to watch die on the cutting room floor. Um, oh, are the Eternals in, mixed up with this? Uh, like, what is it that you would like to see die on the cutting room floor? I was thinking specifically of She-Hulk. Um, oh, but, okay. You know, the Eternals, they're, they're, they're going to do another one of those because uh, they're going to do a new Blade. Oh. And Jon Snow is somehow related to Blade, I think. Um, huh. There's some complicated thing there. Uh, okay. Or maybe they're totally unrelated and it's just two guys with different magic swords, even though Blade's sword isn't magic. <laughs> But um, hmm. anyway, the uh, what was I going to say? Something about oh, so that that's that's what I remembered was like Jane yelling at. This wasn't exactly the articulate version that I was looking for in my brain, but it's another version of it. Uh, Jane yelling, "Eat my hammer!" 
is yeah. like it's a person cosplaying as a superhero, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the there was a Hawkeye TV series that when Brian, because uh, I think it came out when we were doing Methods of Rationality, uh, he was like, you know, how was it? And I was like, imagine if they made a Hawkeye TV series. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line <laughs> but it that said it's not it's not actually that bad i don't think like the the protagonist is like this little girl who's like super inspired by hawkeye and she's not a little oh. girl she was she was a little when she first saw him it was in the new york attack uh in the first avengers movie okay and now it's like 10 or 15 years later and she's like a you know world-class archer and she's like you know crazy admires this guy um mm-hmm. and like she's kind of just like over the top, like nerding out about it the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know, Hawkeye's whole point in the movies is representing people amongst these yeah. Titan gods. Right. And uh, I wish I could remember her name. The protagonist of Hawkeye is representing the fans. Like this is how we would uh, all be if we had an opportunity to fight along the Avengers. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. I, I like, like Peter Parker, right. Mm-hmm. In everything that he's mm-hmm. in when he sees, you know, Iron Man and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like just the, the adoration and like, Oh my God, you know, tripping over yourself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's, that's kind of the, that's what I was thinking of with, um, Jane. And when she's speaking of her catchphrase, when she's dying, she's like, Hey, I thought of, I thought of my catchphrase and she whispers it to him and he's like, I love it. Best one yet. Yeah. And we don't, we don't get to hear it No, And that's really cool too. It's, it's touching. It's, and it's just, you know, it's, almost too sad to say, but it's like the, you know, it, that's, that's what happens when someone dies. You don't get to ask, uh, um, uh, follow up questions. Right. Yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't get to go for clarification. Um, God, that's a good point. But anyway, I hope we never find out what it was. Oh yeah. I don't think we will. Uh, I don't know when, when I was watching could fuck things up. Well, to that point. So like, uh, you want to talk post credits? Let's do well. Um, one now, one last thing before the post credits. Okay. Um, the I um I really liked that Thor adopted the girl because basically, um, my take on the movie was that it is what do you do when you've lost everything and you're cast adrift in the world and you have no purpose, and it seems that the answer is find something to protect. In the words of you know Elias Riedkowski, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure many other people too. But, uh, and Thor found his thing to protect. It was the little girl. And I thought that was great. And it just, it left me feeling very warm, happy, inspired. It just, it was a really good feeling at the end of the movie. You know, it might, it might feel like smaller scope than like him, you know, kicking gods in the face or, you know, evil Titans and whatever. But like, that's, but it was personal. That's, that's exactly it. Right. Like, yeah. you know, other people can, and you know, no doubt he's going to kick ass in the future. But Mm -hmm. like the, he wasn't, you know, kicking ass wasn't, uh, life affirming for him anymore. Yeah. And he was looking for purpose and now he's got it. Yeah. You know, he's going to take care of her and they'll kick ass in the meantime. You know, you see those ones on the right. We help the nice ones. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He's teaching her the ways. Exactly. It was lovely. Um, it, yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree. I think it's, you know, so I mean, I, I don't know what they'll do with her in future movies because they, they'll at least have to mention her. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also just the very real problem that she's a like small child when they do the next Thor movie and 
three or four years. She's going to be a teenager and it probably won't be three or four years later in the movie. Um, yeah. Or maybe not teenager, but she'll be visibly older, mm-hmm. like between several, you know, between seasons of stranger things. Like they took a couple years off or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like puberty hit all, all those kids really hard. <laughs> right. And it's like, this is not three years after season one guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the, but, I, I thought it was sweet that they end, ended the uh, sweet child. Uh, they ended on sweet child of mine, which, you know, it, obviously it's not about a, a girl, a, a child in the original, but you can recontextualize songs too. And it was, it was kind of cute that it was about the, the, you know, girl that he's adopted and protecting now. Yeah. Love and thunder. That's going to be their, you know, that's their, their superhero team name as they go around the universe, writing wrongs. Right. It's adorable. Also, did you notice that love and thunder kind of, if you squint, um, can be substitute guns and roses. Like love is roses, thunders, guns, the thunder of guns. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. As long as we're forcing everything else in today. I can dig it. I mean, guns and roses, love and thunder, same number of syllables too. Exactly. Uh, the reason I brought up the post credits when I'd said, Mar- you said Marvel could fuck things up was, uh, um, cause they did. I, Okay. Maybe you, I was going to say I disagree. Well, I was going to get okay. ahead of. So my wife saw when uh, when Jane goes to um, Valhalla. Yeah, she was like, they can never just kill anybody. Exactly. And I was like, also disappointed. I, I maybe I'm just glad that she got the hero ending, but like we're never going to see Jane Foster again. Like you think? I I think, and th- she said the same thing. She's like, they could they could do something, and I'm like, what's going to invade Valhalla? Like every like super God is there, you know, who's going to be able to beat, you know, Jane Odin and Heimdall. Nobody. So I, I strongly disagree. Anybody could beat them if it serves the story. I think the, why would you put that in the post credits? Like Marvel always put things in post credits, post credits to set up for later. If it's in the post credits, it's probably a setup for later because it means they're going to bring that stuff back. And like, it was so touching that she gave her life and died at the end. And now, Oh, she's not actually dead. She's just in another realm. I'm like fucking God damn it. I, I think that being a Valhalla counts as really dead. Like I, I see what you're saying that like, I mean, l- large parts of the post credit set up for other stuff, but not all of them. Like some of them are just there to, to tell you what happened. You know, like remember at the end of um, multiverse of madness, uh, Ash from Evil Dead, like his beat yourself up spell finally wears off and he looks at the camera and he's like, it's over. Like, that's not that's not alluding to the next movie or anything. It was just I f- didn't stay around for that one. Oh, it was hilarious. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, the end of uh, the first Spider-Man movie, uh, they like, you know, because Captain America is like a, you know, world icon, like their whatever uh, detention movies and stuff that they make kids watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all Captain America giving inspirational speeches. Okay. And the final one at the end end credits is him coming out and being like, some, it's a, uh, you know, there's an important thing about patience. You know, sometimes it doesn't pay off <laughs> and that's it. Awesome. And that's and it, it. It was some, it was like one more sentence, but it was, that was the whole gist. And yeah. so like, again, I, I think that some of these, what I like, I don't think it was setting up anything. I think it was just saying she, she died a hero and got the hero's ending 
So even if it wasn't setting up anything, seeing her again after her death, that soon after her death, fortunately, the first time I watched the movie, I didn't stick around for the last, last post credit, so I didn't see it. So I had several months where I was just happy with how everything ended. You're like those weirdos who go to Marvel movies in the theaters and then leave when the credits start. It's like, is this your first rodeo? No, I just, I don't really care about the postcard stuff. I, I know it's always just a commercial for the next thing. Like like I said, I'm not into the Marvel thing that much. And uh, this the second time uh, I did watch it because just I was like, you know, if we talk about it, it's probably going to come up. So I should see what it is at least. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. They couldn't even let her be dead for all of 15 minutes. Like, I- we see her character again walking around and talking and stuff after she supposedly died that's that's not dead i emotionally i mean dead enough you know thor never gets thor Thor might be reunited with her in the afterlife but like you know i mean he certainly will be once he dies because apparently all the gods get to go there which was another thing that kind of annoyed me like the god told the god um told the truth to gore he was like you get nothing when you die god's get to go on we get to go to valhalla or whatever you just die and i was like oh great another fucking justice she died a god so she gets an afterlife and uh only the gods do and everyone else can suck it she died a hero she died she died specifically an asgardian hero uh yes you know it 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 doesn't have to be a god like sif and uh, it's it's kind of funny that like you know maybe this was just you know for the joke but she didn't quite know all the tenets of her religion um (laughs) right maybe maybe your arms in valhalla uh (laughs) <laughs> the thing is, I bet if she had died before Thor talked to her, she would have ended up in Valhalla. Totally. But after he told her that she can't go to Valhalla now, now she's fucked because her own expectations. Well, the thing is, like, Odin and Jane didn't die in battle either. Um, right. So, you know, maybe gods get to go no matter what, and only other people, the only other people who get to go are heroes. Um, mm. But in any case, I I don't know. I didn't. I, I, I just saw, I was like, oh, good. She got the, she got the happy ending. You know, she doesn't get to hang out with Thor. Like they're all the, all the heartbreak is still there and real, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't think Thor is ever going to die of old age. So like, you know, uh, so until he stops fighting or loses, he's going to be without her. Um, yeah. But I, I see what you're saying, you know, kill people for real. No, um, and that, that's, I mean, also the majority of the viewing public believes in an afterlife of some kind. So for them, it's probably still a death. Like, I I personally disliked it, but I guess it's okay. Yeah, fair enough. What about the other one? Oh, the other one was just like, oh cool, Hercules is gonna be in the next movie, I guess. Then it turns out Zeus isn't dead. That's that's fine too. Oh see, I thought you I thought you would have liked the whole like him ranting, uh Zeus's monologue, you know. Oh no, I mean, he used to pray was... to us for rain and now nothing and and yeah. then it seems like you didn't realize unless you just didn't care. You recognized Hercules. He's here. He's there. He's, He's every, every fucking, fucking where. where. Roy Kent. Hercules. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I was going to do the song and beat me to it. So I'm glad you got it. It was cool. Yeah. Roy, Roy I, I fucking Kent. Yeah. Right. Despite yeah. Hercules being famously blonde. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess he, in a Marvel movie, you can't say fucking every other word. So not going to be quite the same character as Roy Kent. Not exactly. Although I'm sure they'll have to cut lots of stuff. He was on the, uh, whatever, the late show with Stephen Colbert. I saw a clip talking about uh he's in a great show called shrinking uh it's on apple tv the first episode's free and if you've ever if you if you've ever been to therapy or had a friend who whines about the same thing a lot um, uh-huh. watch the watch the first 10 minutes of this show it's hilarious uh ah, okay but roy kent was talking about when they were getting harrison ford to be on the show apparently harrison ford loved the script like he was stoked on it and uh he's actually like acting in this i've never seen him act before like he's been in stuff 
I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think playing. Um, <laughs> what's his name? He's mostly playing himself, being kind of a rascal. Yeah. And why can't I think of the smuggler from Star Wars? His name Hal Han. Han. <laughs> God, I don't think you have to act to play Han. You just do the lines and you act like a rascal. But anyway, yeah. uh, Harrison Ford's in it. But I brought that up because Roy Kent just swearing like they had to they had to believe him several times on cool. the Colbert show, which means he can't even rein it in for five minutes <laughs> on TV. <laughs> nice. So I already touched on, I kind of jumped to the end earlier about the, the, you can't go back thing with the hammer. And I, I do think that having literally a taped together version of the past, isn't the same, the same thing as going back. Like, you know, you, you can keep it's making. It. Yeah. It's making the best of your past and struggling on forward. Hell yeah. All right. Then I think it did the message. It was going for just fine. Assuming that's what it was trying to do. And yeah, uh, I liked if it, it. If that's not what it was trying to do, that's what it did, and it did it great. So <laughs> I'm really glad Huzzah. you liked it, man. Yeah, I did. I'm. Um, thank you for making me watch it because, like, I thought, okay, well, it's a Marvel movie, but I'll watch it because he recommended it, and I don't know why I was hesitant because it was a Marvel movie. I know why I was hesitant. Don't lie, Eniash. And I really tried to undersell it, pitching it to you. you I, I wasn't crazy to. stoked on it, but like, I know. I I was like, you know, I. I wasn't like, oh man, it's the best Marvel movie. You got to check it out. I think. But you uh, also were not alone in that regard. Like everybody was saying how awful it was. Well, the thing is, I knew that that was a public sentiment. So I was kind of leaning into that just to keep your expectations low. Ah, uh, okay. It worked very well. I, I wasn't being like dishonest exactly because I, I still was working out. It wasn't until like I rewatched it that I'm like, okay, I do think now I know how I feel about all the parts of the movie and like what it was doing. Um, I really hope all our listeners watch the movie before they listen to this episode, because if they didn't, now they're going to go in with high expectations and they're going to be like, this movie's not that great, Eniosh. What's wrong with you? Go watch this. Yeah. If you, if you listen to this without watching the movie, I mean, this podcast is now longer than the movie. You should have just it? watched it. How long is the movie? Not long enough. Like they cut like 20 minutes from this movie. Huh? Oh, it's uh, 118 minutes. Yeah. Just under two hours. Oh, did you catch the pun when uh Korg is doing his final uh, narration? And how he met a nice, another nice uh, Cronin named Dwayne. Oh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> I, I got it now. I like to imagine that like they, you know, that Dwayne doesn't say anything. He has exactly like one second on screen. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that they really got the rock and did mocap with him. <laughs> that would be great. Okay. So moving on to the next thing. We've been wondering for a while what our next project is going to be. After Worth the Candle and these two movies, or if we were even going to have one, I have one to pitch for you. Have you heard of Project Lawful? No. Did you know that Eliezer is working on a new fiction thing? I've heard rumors. By rumors, he I mean is. I've heard mentions. Like, it's not a rumor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's It's been going for a while. Uh, it's over a million words at this point. And uh, he finally wrote up his own pitch for it. Uh, actually, um, a while ago now, I'm I'm going to read it to you and then we can discuss these things. If you ever thought to yourself uh, after reading Harry Potter and the Rationality, you know, HPMR is pretty good so far as it goes, but Harry is much too cautious and doesn't have nearly enough manic momentum. His rationality lectures aren't long enough and all of his personal relationships are way, way, way too healthy. Then have I got a story for you. My inner Brian Deacon, which I can now hear when I think of Method of Rationality, Mm-hmm. Is saying you got to be fucking kidding me. Uh, oh, Brian would hate this. Well, the thing is, is I don't know if if Yudkowsky is lampshading and leaning into that as a joke, or if he's actually saying, "Yes, we're going to make a more obnoxious Harry." I think he is letting people know exactly what they should expect. Huh? Yeah. Well, I'm not opposed. Uh, I'm just surprised. 
There's a number of things about this which uh, I should lay out to you before you say yes or no. The official name now is Project Lawful. Originally, it was just referred to as Plane Crash because it starts off with uh, one of the main characters getting in a plane crash and dying and going to an afterlife. And Spoiler. so this takes place in an afterlife. I'm kidding. I mean, th- that happens. Okay, it's right. plot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is page one stuff. This is this is the inciting incident. Um, what do you mean June falls from an airplane? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's gone by a number of names because it is not written the same way most other things are written. It is what is known as a glowfic, which if we do pursue this project, I'm going to have someone on to talk about glowfics with us and give us some history and details about them. But in short, it is basically two people writing back and forth to each other, kind of like passing the pen and uh, crafting a story together. So it, it is it reads a little different from regular fiction. Huh. Yeah. It also, are you familiar with Dothalon? Uh, no. It started as an April Fool's prank by, April Fool's joke, I guess, by Eliezer. Oh, yes. The real planet yeah, is like, from. Yes, exactly. Five, I think it was like five years ago on April Fool's, he posted about the real planet he came from, where it's actually super rational. And so this person comes from that land, and now he goes into a literal afterlife from one of the D&D source books, and he is rational at it. Um, he says that, uh, much like anyone from Dathalon would in his position, Keltham seeks out to bring industrial and scientific revolutions to his new planet. Uh, they are not entirely frank with him about what exactly the God of this plane wants, what evil really is, or what sort of place hell is. He also says, this is not a story for kids, even less so than HPMOR. There is romance. There is sex. There are deliberately bad kink practices whose explicit purpose is to get people to actually hurt someone else so they'll end up damned to hell. And there's math. Man, it, it, those disclaimers were a roller coaster. <laughs> right? I've kept on going back and forth with whether I want to do this. I think I want to do this. It just came up again recently in the Discord. I was already planning on making this pitch to you, but the fact that a couple people were talking about it led me to have a few more things to pull out. Unlimited Oranges says that it's hard to recommend because they lean way too hard into the math of decision theory. April jumped in and says she loves Plane Crash, that it's not uniformly as good as HPMOR, but the high points are as good as the high points of HPMORR. Is it done at a million words? No, but I hear that it's getting close to done. So it's not like going to hit two. How long was with the candle? I think 1.6. Okay. So it'd be a probably a roughly worth the candle style project if we were to try into it. Hmm. There, it sounds like there'll at least be weeks where we, I guess if there's three page, if there's three chapters on decision theory, that would make a good episode. Yeah. Unlimited Orange just says that, uh, you can do a pretty easy job of skimming the math stuff because due to its the nature of Glowfic, it's easy to tell when those things stop and you can just jump to the next point. And a little bit later on, they actually start the convention of starting new threads that have the mathy stuff. And you can skip right to the end of that where they'll summarize what happened and you get back into the non-math things right away. I wouldn't actually mind reading them just to try and learn, you know, become better acquainted with with decision theory. I just think it'd make really boring, you know, like the decision theory, you can call it that in hypothesis testing and methods of rationality was awesome. Yeah. Uh, This sounds like not that because it's going to be real numbers and not, you know, out of his ass Bayesian numbers. Um, (laughs) Right. But uh, here's two things. Uh, The first is we can always stop. 
if we've done this for like two, three, four months and we're like, this is just not for us. We're not having a good time. No problem. We can quit. We can move on to something else. That is a thing we are free to do. We're not like handcuffed to this thing. And secondly, I also kind of consider this sort of like a, one of those crazy high variance moves that I like to do sometimes that like, maybe it's really going to suck and we're going to have an awful time and we're going to have to tank this for three months until we're like, all right, fuck it. We're done. No more. Uh, Or maybe it's going to be fucking amazing. And we're going to be like, holy shit, what is this? And also I expect a lot of our audience is going to be split into people who are like, fuck this and are out and other people who absolutely love it. And I really kind of like dynamics like that where uh people can tell fairly quickly how much they like something whether to stay or go and the people who do stay really like it and maybe that'll be us and maybe it's not and we'll quit but i like taking gambles like this especially when we can step away from them if we want to you know when you said it's one of those high variance moves that could pay off like in a fun way i don't do a lot of those and this sounds like a good way to start flexing that muscle with low risk um yeah and, you know, I think more likely than us just like, or at least more likely than me, like petering out and be like, yeah, fuck this book. But probably mm-hmm. just me saying, all right, look, I don't want to do another year of podcast on this. Let's just binge to the end and then talk about it. Maybe that Ooh. will be the throw in the towel version. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm inclined. What's the worst that can happen? Sounds like fun. Right? It's. <laughs> I remember someone uh, telling me, I don't remember what series it was, but they were like, you got to tank the first four seasons, but after that, it gets really good. And I was like, no, <laughs> especially not because this came from a time where seasons were 20 episodes long of an hour each. I am not doing that to get to the good stuff. Yeah, that's a hard sell. Um, yeah. But this will be a fun experiment for us too. I tell you what, I'm in for some measure of what in means. We'll talk about Glowfic first. That sounds fine. Then we'll do some some version of getting our feet wet. If one of us can't hack it, probably me. Then maybe we'll oh, be able to so. I bounce out of things that I don't like with a quickness. So it could very well be me if I don't get into it too. I like that about your consumption of stuff. Because I've taken to doing that in the last few years. You know, If I'm 15 minutes away from the end of a shitty movie, we just stop watching it. I find I have absolutely no care as to how this ends. Uh, yeah. So I, I do I do abandon stuff if it starts to suck. For example, I didn't finish She-Hulk. Um, that'll be last <laughs> nice. drive-by I do at She-Hulk. Um, <laughs> yes. All right. Let's do it. I'm clearly waning brain-wise. So, uh, cool. We'll see how long and how well that goes. I, I love the proposal. I appreciate you thinking, for, thinking of it. Yeah, let's say we start in March. Give us a few weeks here. Oh, yeah. That's fine. I like that you're committing already on the air. So we'll have something released to listen to in March. Yes. All right. Works for me. All right. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next time. Sounds good. See ya. What a classic forward venture. Hurrah! Omni, omnopolis, omniopolis, something like that. Something like that. Omnipotentalis, omnipotentalis, omnip, <laughs> uh, something. <laughs>